DJ and PK, it is time to talk college football with Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, host of the Podcast of Champions. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? It's fun to uh, talk some college football again. Are we a little lull? But uh, get back at it with spring football coming up soon. It should be fun. Well, I like to talk with a one-man empire, the host of the <laughs> Podcast of Champions. Look at you. I see what you did there. We tried to name. talk a little Pac-12 football. You know, it, it, it wasn't, uh, no one was really doing that. So we tried to go out there and uh, create a show. It's been fun. I do it with a guy that covers UCLA, David Woods, and uh, we've had a good time with it. Well, obviously the big Pac-12 story is Colorado, who has a coach who is totally and completely committed, and he's telling boosters that while he's negotiating with Michigan State, and he leaves to double his salary, which opens up a million different stories. Is USC above it all? Do you, are USC fans, do they care that much about that kind of stuff, or do they figure, hey, the normal rules don't apply to us, we're USC? No, I think they definitely care about it. I think USC's probably in a, a better position where if, if they could get their stuff right, I mean, they have their own internal issues. Like, it's hard for them to worry about how bad, you know, the Pac-12 has been running things because USC's had so many of their own internal problems. But they, I think they're better equipped to kind of weather the storm. But seeing what was happening with someone like Mel Tucker, a 5-7 and seven coach, where you're going to double his salary into a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team, and not just his salary, but the salary of his assistants – when you're seeing a Purdue spending over $5 million on a coach, you're not going to see the Oregon States and the Colorados of the world and the Pac-12 be able to do that. The Big Ten can, and the SEC can. So it's a different ball game. And I think when you look at it, are the SEC and the Big Ten, are they going to be looking down on the Pac-12 like the Pac-12 would look down on a group of a five school or a conference like a Mountain West or something. It seems like there's a gap there now. I think USC could weather the storm, but man, twenty, thirty million dollars a year per school uh, and TV revenue difference—it's going to ma- you know, it's going to add up over these years, and it's going to be a problem for all these schools. Yeah, and then you throw in the assistant to assistant coaches too, and you got that situation where they can't compete. And I want you to listen to a quote from Ray Anderson, the Arizona State athletic director, who was on the sports radio station down there in Phoenix last week, and he's basically throwing up his hands. And the spin that the conference is doing well—we're a comprehensive athletic program. And you know, I saw Brock Hewitt. You talk about your podcast of champions he put out a tweet podcast of olympic champions and we know bill walton on the basketball just goes on and on and on about that and they clean up in these other sports and so their spin is well this we're a comprehensive athletic program listen to what ray says and then respond to it we will lose coaches uh, as we've lost assistant coaches uh, in the last month because the SEC and the Big Ten will come along and say, we can double your salary, as I hear Michigan State did with Mel Tucker. We can double your salary pool for your assistant coaches. Uh, and, you know, we're going to have to deal with that. But we have accepted that we have more to offer as a conference with a different model providing more opportunities for a broad base of student-athletes over more sports, and we're okay with that. So we're really good in swimming, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, you know, they do things differently at Arizona State. I I mean, I didn't really agree with the Herm Edwards hired at the beginning, but I think it's working pretty well so far. But this is a a strange statement because that's, you know, football matters. Basketball matters. Like, that's where the money is. Mostly 
football, and I, it sounds like he's going more towards the Larry Scott side of things. Right. Yeah. Where you're, yeah, you're, you know, when I think it was a couple of years ago at Pac-12 Football Media Day, they opened up with like the Washington rowing coach or something yeah. like this is football. You know, right. football is what matters. So that's that's uh, a little disconcerting to hear him say that because you you have to get football right or those other sports aren't going to be champions anymore because football fuels all those sports. It's great that the Pac-12 is winning Olympic sports championships, but they're being funded by the football team. And if you're going to keep falling farther behind in football, those Olympic sports will eventually fall behind too. Yeah, well, all that's going to happen. They're going to fall behind in money. They're going to fall behind in football. And they're going to fall behind in everything else. Stop me if I'm not making sense here. No, you're completely making sense. And, you know, if you add a sport, we've talked to different athletic directors. It's a million or two or whatever. It, it costs money. But when you're talking about if, if Michigan State can make – Thirty-five million dollars per year more than Arizona State can, and then they want to. Oh, we're going to add a women's lacrosse team, or we're going to add that. You can add sports because the TV revenue from football was so big, and they're going to be able to put a lot more resources into those sports. And maybe you know, a Michigan State team that's not great at swimming and they can't compete with Pac-12 teams, they put a lot of resources into it, and they can. And I think it's going to add up over the time. So this is something. And the problem is, you're going to see renegotiations of the the Big Ten. Uh, TV contracts, first-tier stuff. The SEC, they're going to redo their game of the week with CBS. They're going to get paid a lot more money for that. And that's all going to happen before the Pac-12 can make their move in 2024. And we just still don't know what kind of move the Pac-12 is going to be able to make by then. So I think Larry Scott's hoping for a huge windfall. The schools need it. I'm just not sure it's going to be there. So it's it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it sounds kind of grim, but it just, it, there's not a lot of positives right now when you're looking at revenue for the Pac-12 versus the other Power 5 schools. Yeah, I think what they're going on is that that the sole ownership of the Pac-12 network will pay off in the various forms beyond DirecTV, but all these other outlets that have been created for product, that they'll pony up the money and that windfall that you speak of, basically, uh, at that point, what, in 2024, I think for this, I don't want to be overstating it, for the survival of the conference, but I don't think that it's beyond the realm to say for the survival of Larry Scott that they better get what they expect. Yeah, I mean, his contract, I think, comes up a couple of years before that. And I think the leadership, you know, the, the Pac-12 leadership, they have to really do some serious thinking. If he doesn't have some bulletproof plan in place, like here's what's going to happen and how we're going to jump back ahead. Because when they signed that contract, uh, 2 or $3 billion, whatever it was, I mean, you know, the Pac-12 was at the top, but that was very short-lived. And it seemed kind of short-sighted. You won a small battle by being able to say, here's the Pac-12. And then since then, there have you know, been multiple contract renegotiations for the other conferences, and they keep moving further and further ahead. And I don't know. I mean, you would have to – the revenue shortfall that's happened over the last few years and that will happen over the next four till the contract happens, I mean, that's a lot of money to try to make up. So even if you get some huge windfall from owning your you know, sole rights to the Pac-12 network – I don't. I don't even see it making up the the gap that you've already lost. So, it's going to be tough uh, for what's going on there. And I think you know Larry Scott's definitely been embattled. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're going to go in another direction, but we'll see. But I, I just don't think they can wait to see what he does for the contract negotiation before they decide on what his future is going to be. So that's the long term plan. Uh, the short term deal. You know, the Utes have won the South two times in a row. Nobody's won the South three times in a row. 
I thought the Utes were going to be picked third in the South. The preseason stuff is coming out, and uh, PK was just reading a bunch of them to me. Yeah, they're going to be picked second, it looks like, behind only USC. You cover USC for uscfootball.com. Ryan Abraham, join us. You've done it for a long time. When you look at this USC roster, do you see a team that ought to win the South? Yeah, I mean, they're, they got a lot of production coming back. I think uh, Bill Connolly does a good job. I'm not super in the analytics stuff, but you know they're up there in the, as the tops as far as returning production i think 17 you know starters are coming back uh you know they got to replace a couple of offensive tackles but for the most part i mean there's just a lot of dudes coming back and they should have upgraded their coaching staff again for the second year in a row uh trying to you know they're, they're moving all the pieces around around clay helton just not clay helton yet but the roster is really good i think it's a young uh defense we saw last year and, and most of those guys are back they have a new defensive coordinator in todd orlando um, the former Texas guy who was you know, really high up. He was one of the highest paid assistants in the country a couple of years ago and then got fired by Tom Herman last year. We'll see how all the pieces come together, but they do have a lot of production back. I, I think there's going to be a talent drop-off at USC the following year, but this year it should still be a really talented team and probably be the favorites in the South. But you got to watch out for Utah, even though they lost a lot. you got to watch out for Arizona State, who I think is coming up well. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, Colorado, I'd like the direction they were going, but now you got a coaching change. But I think it's going to be between those three in the South. I'm just not sure what uh, UCLA is going to be, you know, could be doing there. But I think it's, you know, USC, Utah, and ASU are the, the probably the three favorites right now. So I think that you fans still have nightmares of those receivers making those catches in the Coliseum this past season. And Pittman, obviously, was just awesome. Now he's going to take off and and most likely, I would assume, be a good draft pick in the NFL. But when I look at Vaughns and St. Brown and London, and I look at Slovis, although I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the starter, but he had a killer season, I'm thinking that that passing game is going to be just as good and uh, maybe you know they've got some highly touted kids coming in as receivers, so I can argue that the receiving, the passing game, especially with Harrell having it for another year, is going to even be better than it was last season when it was really good. Yeah, that's what's scary. I mean, they do have to replace their left tackle. There's not a great, uh, there wasn't like some number two guy that was going to step in. They might have probably have to move some people, but as far as receivers go, they had, they had two five-star receivers that didn't even play last year that are going to be right. coming in, Kyle Ford and Brew McCoy. Uh, so yeah, you got to you lose Pittman, but there's a lot of production there. And you saw a guy like um, Drake London coming on, you know, as a true freshman uh, late in the season. So they're going to be stacked there. And I think Slovis is going to be the starter. Uh, we're not sure. JT Daniels will do a little bit in the spring, but I don't think he's going to be able to be fully healthy until the fall. But Slovis, I mean, he had the most efficient you know quarterback rating USC's ever had. He he just looks so good as a true freshman. And in the second year, like you mentioned, Graham Harrell. That's all they're talking about is that there's usually this big jump uh, from the year to the next. It's a simpler offense, but I think they understand it more, and you'd have the quarterback and receivers on the same page. So that's what even, you know, I, I know Clay Helton is not the most popular head coach. A lot of fans don't want him there, but they could really score a lot of points with this offense and all that skill talent. So with the, you know, a, a talented defense and, and what they can do on offense, there's a lot of fireworks that could happen with USC. So I'm curious to see kind of how it plays out. So <clears throat> USC had some good recruits, but the recruiting class also got panned for not having enough and some of the kids they missed on. And, of course, the whole is he coming back or is he not coming back ties the coaching staff's hands. They're going to lose kids with all that negativity out there. But it seems like 
unless they beat Bama and US, Utah and start 6-0, there's going to be a bunch of negativity out there again. Is there a chance that down the road that SC football is going to be paying for this indecision because of what it's doing to recruiting classes? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it's really hard to recruit when your coach is on the hot seat, and it's hard and it's hard to get them off the hot seat when the athletic directors aren't making changes. They're changing everything else except the head coach. So it's sort of this cycle that keeps going on. And it was this was the worst recruited class. 2019's class was the worst in in the internet era. They were ranked 20th, uh, but they end up getting like a transfer in Chris Steele, who's a former four star, and Brew McCoy transfer back in. So it they kind of saved it a little bit, and they had guys like Keaton Slovis that maybe you didn't expect as a three star to be that good. And uh, Drake Jackson was you know playing and starting as a Professional defensive end, but this class of 2020 ranked like 60th or whatever. I mean, it was the, it's definitely the worst. It's probably the worst in USC history. It just wasn't there, and there's just no impact guys. There's you know six offensive linemen, and you're not really expecting any of them to play. We've never seen a USC recruiting class like this. Now the 2021 is starting off better. They got some higher ranked guys, but you're exactly right. Like I think if it's you get blown out by Alabama, and maybe you lose to Utah on the road, and you start off kind of middle, you know, meh, like the fans are going to turn away. They're not going to show up at the Coliseum, and it's going to be really hard to, to recruit to that. So it's going to be tough on Mike Bone if they don't start off like gangbusters and at least keep it close with Alabama and get some momentum going into the rest of the season. I think you're going to see the same thing over again, and it's going to be hard to convince recruits. So he might have to, if that happens, he might have to make some kind of move during the season. And USC's fired their last two coaches in the middle of the season. You probably don't want to do it again, but you might not have a choice because you probably lose yet another recruiting class. And I, if you put back-to-back like horrible classes together, at a place like USC, the whole DNA of the football team is getting four- and five-star guys in. And maybe you don't develop them, but you've got the stars. You can't do two classes in a row at USC without a bunch of stars on it. That would just be uh, it would be a really big hole for the next coach to uh, climb out of. Okay, but can I argue with uh, 77% of the offense coming back and 87% of the defense coming back, they get to the Rose Bowl or even beyond, that the little slip in recruiting will just be made up next year because they'll be coming off a phenomenal season? Yeah, I mean, there's the potential for a great season is there. And I, a lot of USC fans don't even want to hear that because there is so much production coming back. And I think they made – I think their special teams are going to be better. I think the defense overall – is going to be better and more aggressive. And I think they're going to practice harder. We'll see when spring football starts in a couple of weeks. I think Todd Orlando is going to have them tackling at practice. They just kind of had soft practices and they were really panned for that. I think that, I think a lot of changes are made, even though you haven't changed the head coach and they could make some kind of run. But if they, you know, say they lose to Alabama and they lose to Oregon on the road and, uh, you know, maybe lose to Notre Dame and you're nine and three and like you could still win the South and maybe you don't win the conference. Is that really going to be good enough if you're not beating the great teams on the schedule? So I, they can still beat a lot of teams uh, this year, and then they can make a run at the Pac-12. But I think if you're not winning the Pac-12 this year, it's probably not going to be good enough. But I've been wrong the last couple of years of what it would take to, you know, to, to have a great season. But if you're if you're losing those games, the big ones, I think that's what's going to hurt recruiting more. Like you you have to play Alabama tough, maybe get a win against Oregon on the road, something like that. Um, and, and if you can do that, I think you can help recruiting. But Oregon's been the one that's really been taking the, the best recruits. Recruits that normally go to USC, if they're not going to Clemson or LSU right now because they're coming in, uh, they're going to Oregon. Uh, so I think that's the team. If you can beat them, then that would probably help on the recruiting trail. Well, my favorite part of this interview is where you said it could be a great season and no fans want to hear that. 
That was, <laughs> they, they, that was awesome. Really, at this point, they're like, I just want to say, they, a lot of the fans are like, I just want Clay Hilton to be gone. Don't tell me this team's going to be great because they got all this talent. Like they, it's it's to the point where they don't even want to hear that, which is crazy. But that's kind of where it is right now. Ryan, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. USCFootball.com, host of the Podcast of Champions, Ryan Abraham. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, thanks so much for having me.